well, look who it is. Nice crossbow. Vanya, good to see you. Did you find your friend? No, we missed him, unfortunately. Varian, Bryn, how are you all? What is that smell? That's Bryn. You missed all the action. Action? We tracked the beast to its lair last night. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Uh, my name is Dave and I'm joined as ever by my good friend Ian. Hello there. And uh, we today are going to talk about Wintermark with a very, very nice gentleman. Uh, if you'd like to introduce yourself, um, we will begin. Hello, uh, my name is uh, one of many names. I am. My name is Andrew Ruddick. My name is also Pud. Um, and I'm also Tarek of Wintermark, of Ashenhall of Wintermark. Um nice to be here guys yeah i mean yeah. we're we're gonna fanboy out a little bit because we are big fans <laughs> of you and yeah. we're like you have kind of um even very early on in our kind of experience at empire gave us some really good like hooks that really made us feel like the game was alive and we were a mm. part of it so like w- yeah we're, we're, we're gonna try and in i pick up please i know so uh, I, we should probably say uh and you perform and you uh, have done many, many great songs in um, we're used to the songs and cir- uh, stories circle. But of yep. course, we've seen you around Wintermark as well and other na- areas of the nation. Um, so you're you're kind of, a, if you like, a bardic kind of character of the nation. And uh, um, am I right in saying that that is a term known as a scop in Wintermark? Scop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ian, you're playing it so cool, man. I'm so yeah. impressed by you there. You just kept <laughs> it level and professional and got like through it. that sentence really well, but I'm very proud of you today. Is that a scop? I believe they're scops, yeah? Oh, yeah. Uh, let me just quickly check my notes. Um, I think that's called a scop. Um, let's start with a, a tough question immediately, right? Because um, I think we could get bogged down so much in like just appreciating like the ambient nature of a song being sung in a bar mm-hmm. and, and the effect that has but we're not going to do that ian we're not going to do okay. that we're going to move okay. on and we're going to get into wintermark for all you uh would-be wintermarkers <laughs> or wintermarkers that know wintermark and are just here to hate on us um i have a bone to pick immediately uh straight off the bat with wintermark hi god did it no well <laughs> it might be pd's fault so there I am in my five minutes of research I wanted to do before we recorded this. I went on the uh, wiki and I was like, I wonder what archetypes they have. And they have a bunch of really interesting ones, right? There's so many like cool ones, like the maggot who is someone who picks up gear off other people on the battlefield. Your enemy on the battlefield is yeah. like a scumbag. You have like a, a mediator <laughs> type thing. Incredible. I was like, there's 10 of them, right? And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, that's so cool. I, I don't think Navarre has that many. Do you know how many we have, Ian? I've got three, I think. Five. Five, okay. Yeah. Five. They have double. <laughs> double, to be Ian. Fair, to be fair, there, there is basically like three nations that make up Wintermark in a way. Oh, that's the the aspect of it. So three uh, people uh, don't nations. answer, Ian. That's the hardest hitting question we're going to have tonight. <laughs> I know. Let Pud answer it, man. <laughs> now he's sweating. Now put him on the back foot. Now he knows exactly who the who's in charge of this podcast. You know, uh, Pod, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I can't speak entirely on the design decisions of PD, but um, yeah, I think I, I think you hit it on the, the nail on the head in that because there's the three nations and and every every nation. Well, 
to backtrack, treat people one nation is the whole thing that you'll hear Wintermark shout a lot. We like doing our call and repeat shouts. That's one of our biggies. Three people, one nation. Um, and yeah, so within that, you've got the, the Calavesi, the Stein, and the Suak. And I think every imperial nation has its own subset. So the, the subgroups, um, like the League has their different cities, um, the different chapters, the, the, you know, different nations subdivide in different ways. Wintermark I find interesting, and it's one of the reasons why me and my group chose Wintermark, is because, to my mind, they're really distinct. They're three very distinct nations, which, and again, this, this might be born out of familiarity more than anything else, but I find them more distinct than, say, the uh, the League cities, um, which which I I think is is an equivalent denomination. I know they're more geographic based rather than yeah. just cultural based, but it, it's the first thing that's coming to mind. Um, yeah, because you've got your Steiner, which are very heavily based on your Ohirim. Definitely not Vikings. Definitely not Vikings. Definitely um, not Vikings. <laughs> but but it's fair to say that they share a lot of cultural influence from Viking Saxon culture, um, or you know more like you know Skyrim nods, uh, yeah. Ohirim from Lord of the Rings. Skyrim stuff. definitely. That's the hundred yeah, percent vibe. Yeah. Um, then you've got your Suak, who have more of a um, like a First Nation Native American type vibe, um, with some some Inuit vibes. Yeah. Um, some of these like uh, northern like old, old Scanson, Scandinavian cultures as well. So some Finnish stuff taken in there. Um, much more in terms of furs. Big um, uh, water nation vibe, like uh, yeah. uh, Airbender water nations. Um, and then you got the Calavesi, who are and and even the Calavesi are interesting because everyone just thinks birds and feathers. But when you look on the brief, there's actually more going on there. They've got a heavy like Iron Age vibe going on, like um, you know post-Roman angle thing going there as well. And all of those things ticks so many of my boxes. So I think even within that, a lot of the um, uh, forgotten the word for it, the archetypes. Um, a lot of the archetypes are actually kind of like subdivisions of those types of things, like. You got the Stormcrow. Stormcrow is a priest, effectively, is, is the, the closest analog. But they are and they aren't. So a lot of them are subdivisions or more specific versions of something else. I think what's interesting about it is they could very easily have made three distinct nations. But I think they they consciously made us the decision to make a nation that was a uh, more uh, cosmopolitan uh, mm -hmm. nation that combines those three briefs. And when I did the history episode, um, and sort of dug a little bit into the Wintermark history to piece that together. One of the interesting sort of through lines that I think they teased out from that early history was this idea of a shared pursuit of heroism mm -hmm. and how that actually then makes a nice kind of unifying bow with those three nations and how they kind of actually then fit together with a sort of a unified identity and why these three peoples would choose to sort of unite and these kind of things. And it makes the, the, the Wintermark brief especially when you couple it with the shared history with Verushka, very rich indeed. Yeah. Yeah, massively. It's, it's fascinating, especially where it's got this, this, this heroic origin story as well, that, you know, the, the three different tribes or the two different tribes coming together, joining, forming, you know, it's, it's the classic episode. You must join yeah. to defeat the bigger evil. It's, it's, 
Yeah, it's cultural Avengers, basically. If if you if you're curious, by the way, about which episode is the history episode that Ian's talking about, it's it's number forty three. I just had to look that up. So number forty three, that's the one. Highly recommend it. It's very very good. Sorry, chaps. <laughs> Thank you. But no, it's um yeah, it, it's it was super interesting doing that because it really kind of gave more of an insight into Wintermark, and I think sometimes from an outside point, you can look at Wintermark and say they're the biggest nation. And they've got all of this kind of um, focus, but it's actually very well put together and it's very richly intertwined, as I say, with other nations as well. Varushka yeah. being the obvious one, because, of course, the um, the Steiner and the uh, Vard and how they link together and the Ushka and all. And, and, and that is actually a very core part, in a way, of the tale of the northern peoples, yeah. which is richly told within Wintermark. Yeah, and it, it it's really cool, and, and and this is actually a compliment to to PD on the design element as well. And that giving the nations these shared histories, in that it's not like every nation is this, this siloed entity. Yeah, every nation has a crossover with yeah. another nation at some point in its territory, like the marches and dawn and and high garden and and how it all they, they bleed together. So there is these areas of overlap, and we still see that in play. Um, like even now, Wintermark, um, one of the big things which we might get onto as well is now we have a, a shared history with the orcs very much as well. Well, yeah. we kind of did anyway because yeah, awkward. Um, but <laughs> now, was um, that awkward? <laughs> you know what? I only realized as I was saying it, but yeah, right, stop recording, stop recording. We're ending this, we're ending this fast right now. I'm not having this podcast turn into that. Um, <laughs> Christ, damn it. I'm not even the pun maker in my group either. I'm Honestly, I'm embarrassed. I'm so sorry, listeners. I'm so let's try and keep on, <laughs> guys. Just try and keep on track. I don't want any of like any of that. I was about to say any awkward moments again and realize what I was walking into. It's horrendous. Yeah. So um, yes, the the orcs have had a checkered past with the Wintermark due to yeah. issues of slavery, right, and other other things. Yeah, but but then. It goes beyond that because then there was the whole scar syndrome motion in that we literally gave them a homeland, um, mm. which is which is a huge thing. That that was, and 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 that was fascinating for me as someone who's really close to that plot when when that happened. Which is in itself, I think that's the only piece of significant plot I've ever been involved in. Um, but that was that was incredible, and that was genuinely moving seeing that happen. So these these cross nation weaves. Um, are still happening even now and coming about as a result of player action. But yeah, you're right in terms of that th there is a natural both stylistic overlap with um, some of the other nations like uh, Vrushka being being one of the most notable examples. And there's um, the aesthetic crossover as yes. well. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not uncommon for someone to mistake a Vrushkan for an Asteina. Uh, yeah. And that happens. I mean, within the the costume brief for Wintermark, it expressly says "no hero pants" because they're a Russian thing, and, it's, <laughs> and 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 it seems like a really picky thing. But is that is one of the things that has to divide because otherwise th th they do come up against each other. Likewise, it's not dissimilar, for, uh, not unusual for um, for Navari to maybe get mistaken yeah. as uh, as a Calavesi, for example. Yeah, um, I mean, if you, if you alight on your face tattoos, sorry, Dave, you, you go for it. Yeah, this is literally what I'm saying. You're saying what I was about to say. So yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you if you don't do your face tattoos, you can easily get mistaken uh, for 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 a member of Wintermark for sure. Yeah, they, um, they literally people will check your 
tattoos i think the the common things that i do anyway right are oh, tattoos and the var right but i think that is one of the the indicators um i think there's I don't mind that at all having that crossover between these different nations because they don't all clash into each other. One thing trying to do these like uh, nation episodes, I was talking to the marchers last time and it was interesting them talking about their relationship with um, Dawn and then also how some of their kit might cross over with other nations and how they make them distinct. I think this is something that happens all around the the field, but it, it suits that we are, all still humans within a geographical area and we kind yeah. of bleed into each other just like normal geography does right yeah. like uh, borders are very when you get to them the, there's only a few few very harsh borders in the world where you really get that sense mm-hmm. it's never hard it's usually more gradual you know and then you've, you've got the magic of the egregores who stop you from veering too far so they they, yeah. they keep you tethered to that that cultural anchor point for your nation um and then you know, you, you can veer close to one of the other things, but the second you, it, you, I see, the second it feels like you're veering too far, that's the point when that, that pull of the egregores will, will ring you in. And I yeah. think there is an interesting element of play where when you first turn up to Empire, you're, you know, very much generally sort of persuaded to be as, you know, on, on brief and sort of fit the brief. But of course, through the natural evolution of play, your character may choose or, in a sense, earn the ability to explore these kind of other um, sort of influences. And, you know, someone might gift you a piece of kit from another nation and then, mm-hmm. you know, are you not going to wear it? Well, you maybe you put that bracer on uh, and it, it, it might not be typically of your nation, but it's something that is characterful and yeah. it's it's expressly tied to you. I mean, I think of my own character's trend sort of um, hints towards Urizen and how that kind of makes for an unusual kind of blend of Navarre and Urizen. And yeah. uh, I've just realized I was about to fire into this conversation, but we are getting off the point. We need to we stick to Wintermark, guys. So we're going to come back and we're going to talk about, like, what, how, like, how do you feel like are some of the like distinctive characteristics? Well, we're just going through the, the three different, like, potential nations within one nation. Mm. But how would you, how would you say... Like, what's distinctive about the culture of Wintermark, in, in your opinion? Yeah, so the, the the big one, which is in the brief, and it's, it's you know, big, big thing is this idea of heroism. Heroism is, is one of the key things for Wintermark. And, but it's not, um, it's not always physical heroism. It's not just going out into a battle, um, you know, being a, big badass fighter um we we respect heroes who are cunning we respect heroes who are wise who maybe extol the virtues in in some way um or maybe even just not the virtues it doesn't have to be a virtuous act to be a heroic act um and and i think that is that is a key thing as well people can find their own paths to heroism the actual and it's surprising because heroism is so fundamental to wintermark the section on it in the wiki is actually really brief and I like that because I've had conversations, both IC and OC, about what heroism means. I have had someone saying, it's like, I don't care. I will, you know, I will throw my life away if there's even a fraction of a chance of doing this thing. And I look at that and go, hmm, really? Because that, that, that's not necessarily heroism to me. And that's one of the things that it does call out in the wiki in that there has to be a chance of success for yeah. a thing to be heroic. If you You're not a fanatic, just- right? You're- 
Exactly. We're not lunatics. We're not fanatics. We're not berserkers. <coughs> Torn. <coughs> Torn. <laughs> ah, oh, sorry, I got that out. Got that out. Good. That's fascinating. Yes. So, you know, our our, our shiny friends uh, over on the other half of the field in Dawn. Who, who, con- oh, Dawn. Oh, right. Okay. Dawn. Dawn, yes. Right. Um, their, their concept of glory, it, it would be very easy to confuse one for the other. But that's, you know, they're... There, there is a slightly blurry line, and something can be heroic and glorious. It can be both, but it can be yeah. one or the other as well. I think those grey lines are what makes it very interesting, though, mm-hmm. um, because as and and the virtues can fall into this too. Um, those elements of when you uh, butt up against the edges of heroism, of glory, of a virtue. Uh, and sort of start testing the boundaries. And of course that makes play because then it gives you an opportunity to sort of explore those edges with other people and then you know, have those kind of conversations. There's, and I think they're very intelligently written to be purposefully vague at, at the edges. I mean, there's, there's a kind of a core understanding. We, we get what the word heroism means, mm-hmm. but when you really hone down into it, there's a lot more there than you would think and suspect. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 we were sounding like we're just blurring all the nations into each other, and and I hope that doesn't. I hope that's not the impression that we're giving, because I think all of us have a sense of these nations are very distinct, and and potentially it's a lack of language to be able to really express how on the field these nations, despite having similar elements, can seem a world apart from each other when they're actually mm-hmm. interacting with each other on the field. Um, I feel very strongly. That I have an identity of what Navarre is, and I know what yeah. it doesn't look like as well. Potentially, right? It's um, yeah. it's interesting. I don't know. There's a and, lot and combined I, in that. Sorry, you go for it, Pod. No, I was going to say what what I found fascinating with that is how if you took individuals from different nations, like if you took a Navarre and a Wintermarker, and you put them together in a group and had them work together to solve a problem, it would probably be fine. You know, they'd probably come to some common thing, and and they're their national identity might not shine that way. If you took a bunch of Wintermarkers and a bunch of Navari, there's like a direct correlation between the number of people from a certain nation in a certain space or working on, a, on a, uh, an issue and the strength of that national identity coming through because you bounce off each other and that, that national identity feeds into each other. And that, that I think, is a big thing in Wintermark. And that... <sighs> That then gets interesting because there's so many of us. Like there's so many winter markers. Like someone, um, someone did a chart recently of the the biggest LARPs, and I think if Wintermark was its own LARP, it would be like the fourth biggest LARP in the country or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is which is ridiculous, and there's several reasons for that. Um, but but there is then a criticism of Wintermark being insular, and go, going back to this theme of identities and what people associate with Wintermark, we have been legitimately and unfairly in, in, in different ways being accused of being a very insular nation. Um, and I think some of that is is down to our size because we do have this this huge size issue. You could spend your entire game being just in Wintermark. I did, I think for my first year or so, I barely left the Wintermark camp. Of the game because it's, it's interesting i don't think just i've been thinking that i don't think i've had that many interactions with wintermarkers outside of the nation like outside of their area camping I, i've i've interacted on the battlefield both as a monster and human 
uh we've been there for a few drinks but yeah that is interesting i this isn't like to lay blame on anyone right it's like i completely see the appeal because there's so much in wintermark to go and explore right there's there's a lot to go and see and do and meet people and do all sorts just within the nation yeah. To be fair, even geographically, walking across the Wintermark area of the field is a trek sometimes, right? Just if, just if you're going through the IC section of Wintermark, it's pretty big. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a physical barrier, right? Especially when the weather sets in and there's like a lot of mud on on all the areas, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. we don't we don't we don't cross that when it gets really bad often, <laughs> you know. Unless we're really pissed, and then we it's, might give it a go. It's also not a through route to anywhere. Certainly, with the, with the current plan as it is it used to be on a couple of previous plans where you'd have to go to wintermark to get to the sentinel gate now you know we're in a different field so you know that that's not the case anymore so we're not en route to anywhere else so if you go into wintermark wintermark is your destination yeah. or the oc field um but it is interesting that yeah there isn't that amount of overlap especially i mean you guys are camped right next to us um you know the, the navarre and wintermark were, were neighbors I think there is a, a it is a fair thing to say. I mean, Navarre's not a small nation either, and yeah, very much quite, so. quite, quite yeah. possibly. I think it is also tr- fair to say that y- you could indeed play fairly insularly within Navarre as well, and and that is something that a, a nation of a certain size maybe affords you the opportunity to do. Uh, and do you know yeah. what? And even thinking about it, I'm like, I wouldn't be. This sounds really bad, but I wouldn't be adverse to just a navarre event right like i love interacting with the other nations and all the stuff that goes along with it but i'm also incredibly happy to make new bonds within my nation get to know people enjoy some of that cultural similarity that navarre have it's Mm. it's really nice so yeah honestly i can see the appeal but yeah um, there was actually there was a player event i did I want, to, I want to say last year, um, pretend yeah. last year didn't happen, then yeah. in, at the end of 2019. <laughs> um, last year, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, there was a player event, and it was run at the um, the Eversley site, um, and it was brilliant, and it, it got named Top of the Scops. Uh, and the idea was, it was a hall in Wintermark, had thrown open their doors, and they were inviting Scops from across the, the Empire to come and host. And it was great, because it was like a celebration. It was only a small event. So a Scop is a singer, right? Or a performer? A Scop is not necessarily a singer. So a Scop is a storyteller, a lawmaster, a performer, poet, storyteller. They're a bit of everything. They're effectively um the keepers of the nation's history and so there's an oral the tradition of, isn't there massive oral so. tradition dude yes. very cool yeah. which is what i use as my excuse for forgetting people's names because we don't <laughs> write anything down so that one helps um we yeah, have very very much an, an oral tradition you know inspired by the whole beowulf we have along with this idea of heroism we also have the concept of naming so yeah. um every hero has a name um and every name has a story and traditionally it's the role of the Scots to witness the heroic deeds of other Wintermarkers and give them their naming. And the naming is traditionally done. It's a public thing. It's done around the campfire. It's done in front of your hallmates, in front of uh, the nation, maybe not in front of the nation these days because moods drag on for ages, but it used to be. But it should always be a same public spectacle where the, the, the story is told of a deed or a pattern of behavior that exemplifies this person 
and then they're given their name and earning your name in Wintermark is a huge, huge deal. I mean, it's super cool, I mean, fuck me. I'm not even in Wintermark and that gets my blood fucking pumping. Just the idea of that, you earn your name through some heroic shit and then someone names you in front of your peers. Like, Jesus, that's the fucking dream, isn't it? It's really, really cool. Um, I actually got my name, was it the last event? the last event maybe the, the event before the, the the final event um and that that was i earned my name there now bear in mind i've been playing uh empire for blah, 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 five six years i think it is yeah. um this is character number three i've been Tarek for nearly three years in play three years game time and i just earned my name at the end of that time and and it felt great that said there's other people who can earn their name much quicker and different Different scops, different halls will have slightly different conventions for how a name is applied. Sometimes it might be because of a single deed. If there's one really notable deed, um, then that might earn someone a name. Yeah. Within within my hall, within National Hall, we tend to base it more on a pattern of behavior, like more who someone is rather than a thing that someone has done. Uh, it does mean that we run the risk of people dying before they get their names, which has happened. Um, but we, we, you know, we're really picky about it. Um, some possibly too picky, but but we work with that. That's that's an icy thing that we work. With. I, I would say, well, that's if you're going to go one way or the other, that's the way to go. Like you got to make it hard. Like if it's too easy to get, it becomes meaningless. It's like death in LARP, right? If you if you don't care, and every battle you go out and you just die, then come back as a new character and die, then come back as a new character, it, it doesn't mean anything. If you are really emotionally invested into a character um that doesn't have to be for a long time but if you are death carries weight and that's what's important yeah. about it so so getting your name through like especially even being disappointed at not getting your name through a certain act that you maybe as in character felt like you did deserve it for mm-hmm. that's great plot that's really good the the earning of the thing should be hard in all things in life yeah. in my opinion and, and it's if you don't mind original thing yeah, if you don't mind me asking, like in terms of um, play, uh, both uh, IC and OC, how do you do? You, is there any kind of OC negotiation of names, or do you, as the Scots, say, "I think you should be named this"? Uh, I mean, obviously, this doesn't apply for the whole nation. We should say this yeah. is just within your hall. If you're happy to talk about it, yeah, yeah, is- absolutely. So I, I can I can touch on it in a few ways. So um, both IC and OC. There's, I've had experience of slight negotiations, sometimes even between halls. Like I've had someone say, um, say to me, hey, do you have a name? Like OC, they're, they're asking, like, does Tarek have a name? And I've had it, but asked IC and OC. And at the time I was saying no. And they were like, okay, really interesting. And someone asked me that OC at one point. Right. And I said no. And I knew the person, and I, I had a feeling they might have been building up to a thing. And all I said to them was like, if, if you are building up a thing around that, that's cool. From a just coolness and not like not stealing game, but but accidentally stepping on toes game. Speak to these people. Just just have a word because um, it was kind of like intimated that other members of my hall might have been talking about it or something like that. So you know, it it, it really doesn't matter who you get your name from. You know, it, it yeah. affects you depending on who's recognised, who's called you out. Um, yeah, I, I, sorry, I just want to touch on that. I think that's a really good way to approach maybe interacting with a character about a certain piece of plot that you're not sure about. Talk to the, the in our case, Navar Striding, whatever group yeah. they have, who are their friends. That's a really nice 
like an obvious and good approach to it, but uh, yeah. definitely worth repeating, right? Yeah, and it, and you don't have to either. You do, you do not have to ask permission to name someone either OC or IC. Um, like you could just na- and bear in mind names don't necessarily always have to be a nice thing either. So they're notable deeds. They're not always heroic. They can be a bad thing. I've I've not seen that happen in my life, but that's what I'm going like, to understand. Like anyway. Talis the untrustworthy. Or something. <laughs> like for example, well, that, I mean that would yeah. Yeah. yeah, the not um, to be trusted. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, it should be a heroic deal. It's a heroic ideal to earn a name. Yeah. And yeah, um, and it, even in terms of what that name is, so I've been engaged again in, in IC and OC discussion with people because, you know, IC, I've maybe consulted other scops in my hall or I've witnessed deeds of someone else and I want to speak to other people from their hall. Like if, if I've had this idea of like, I've witnessed some great behavior from this other person in another hall, I want to speak to members of their hall to understand a little bit more about the person, either to be inspired by the name or to literally, you know, get some feedback and bounce ideas off, anything like that, to really make sure the name does match. Yeah. Disclaimer, I... this is how I operate. Yeah. Different scops operate differently. I think it's right to give it on both on both sides, uh, the uh, respect that it deserves. You know, you don't just point at someone and say, "I name that person so and so." You know, it, there's an idea that you yeah. would have some, uh, you know, some insight into them and 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 their history, and you would take the time to explore that with them and maybe their their peers. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting because you, you do get cases, in, and this is a, an icy contentious topic, where people can end up with multiple names. Um, you right. know, they can be the, the recipient of multiple namings. I see some people agree with that, some people don't. And again, this is great because it, it builds on plots. So the discussions and the arguments around that are world building in and of themselves. And there's also an all too common occurrence of people and this is where we go wrong sometimes, leaving it too long to get their names. And then the name becomes, you know, uh, it's like, oh, yes, I named this person, you know, Orkslayer. Yeah. Shame they're dead. Um, and <laughs> you, you do get post-mortem namings, which is always a bit mm. tragic because we have this tree of names in the century of the Wintermark camp. And it's meant to be a celebration of, of these heroes and their names. Too many of them are dead. Too many of the times it, it gets mistaken as a tree of remembrance. Like, no, 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 mm. no, no. You don't have to be dead to be on the tree. You should be aspiring to, to be witnessed um, could in you, life. Could you describe what the tree looks like and how you interact with it? Like, yeah. So the, I mean, the, the tree is um, it's it's like a geometric structure. Um, so it's not a physical tree. We're, you know, we haven't quite got that good. Um, but it's a central wooden pole with these roughly white pole, with these really cool like designs, like uh, Native American style inspired uh, designs coming down it, um, various metal branches coming off it, and then strings with leather leaves. Oh, sorry, feathers, not leaves. Leather feathers on the end. Each one has a name. Inscribed really cool. on it, and this was the concept of um, a player known as Shaman, who um, <laughs> also uh, I don't know if you've known Shaman. He also is commonly known as Creepy Naga Dude, um, right. <laughs> played by an, an amazing player. But yeah, he he is just incredible. If you see a Creepy Naga guy walking around in a long dark coat 
uh, long dark heavy leather coat big hood on really creepy face underneath talking with a very sibilant whisper he actually camps in the woods near you guys as well i think i've bumped into the guy yeah Yeah. i've bumped into him there's a couple of uh i'm thinking of two one of them might be an orc i don't know they were a mask but there's a couple of these sort of characters out there and it's fucking bonkers bumping into these guys when you're when you're a couple of drinks in and you're in some random bar and you get approached by one of these guys it's like they drop rp bombs like it's crazy it's so much fun to interact or even just watch them interact with people right shame of me is like peak because he also makes game for the people yeah um and he's you know, if you ask, he's very mysterious. He's terribly mysterious. Um, but <laughs> he's great. He, so he, he made the Tree of Names, both IC and the, the um, OC as well. And it's it's amazing. Um, just in terms of as a centerpiece, as a focusing point. Um, and even he's a contentious character in games as well, because he stabs people. Oh, yeah, he, he, he will cut people and he will threaten people. Um, but brilliantly, he'll also do Skyn readings. Um, oh, Skyn, that's something I'll come to as well. Um, so he'll do, he'll do Skyn readings uh, for players, and he makes game. And that, for me, is just that was he, he was a massive inspiration for when I was uh, creating Tarek as a character because you know, mm. like I say, it was character number three, and I wanted someone who would make game in the same way that he did, um, especially especially in something like Wintermark, where we are so vast. So making sure there's enough game to go around is tricky. I think that's one of the things you kind of grow into as a LARPer, actually. When you first start, you're kind of more worried about how you're going to find game. Uh, And then as you kind of play more, your attention turns towards how can I exist within the game and then provide game to other people. Uh, And that becomes the more exciting appeal often is to be someone who can bring a game to other people. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's, I think uh, this doesn't also mean, like when I think of the, the, in my head, what I think of as the best LARPers, which is a totally, this is a Dave subjective version of this, right? I think of people who they're not the center of attention for being the center of attention. They're giving other people gain, right? Yeah. Like there's, and there's a very, like just, just to show up there and be very selfish with it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me is not what I'm talking about with it. sometimes very large characters and very bold characters, sometimes very subtle characters, but that's not what makes them special. It's the game they're generating while doing their character. That's so fucking cool. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and when I, when I came up with Tarek, one of the things I wanted to do with him was, and this isn't about me, this is more about the game stuff is I didn't want to be commander Shepard. I didn't want to be Hawk. Yeah. I wanted to be the companion character. You know, I, I, because they are great, because they are they become reflections of the character. They create something, and they create something for the main character to bounce off of, and that that's what I wanted to do with it, and and bring some of that um, into Windermark. I didn't actually succeed on a many of the character went somewhere wildly different, um, but seeing people do that in the market and elsewhere as well is is really cool. Uh, that actually goes quite interestingly into a question I was going to ask, because I think there is this aspect of um, how your expectations for what your character is going to be can sometimes mm. wildly different uh, differ from the actual realities of playing that character. But did you also have similar experiences with that in terms of the nation and joining the nation? Did you expect the nation to be a certain way? And then was it, did you discover it to be different when you actually first started play? Or was it very um, much how you expected it to be? I think I think the nation was 
as I expected it to be, partly because the brief was very strong. Point yes. mark. It's, it's quite it's quite distinct, quite clear. Um, so I don't think the nation threw me. I think how I expected to operate in that nation yeah. threw me. Um, bear in mind, this was my, you know, it was my first LARP event. I've, I've still not really done any others. Um, I, I, I was going to this event for the hitting. It's like, I wanted to go into the battles. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Wintermark, cool. We almost went Navarre. We were, sh like, even our original Facebook group for our little group and everything, we were a Navari group originally. Um, spoiler, we were the embers of Ashenstead before, <laughs> before we became Ashenhall. Um, Ash is like... very popular, evidently. Oh, I just realised how I'm so embarrassed. I'm so embarrassed now <laughs> for having Ash in the name of our group. No now. way. Oh. No way. It, I mean, it happens. You know, this stuff. It's it makes sense and it works. Um, yeah. But it's... it's so bad. We're so generic. Oh, total lack of imagination. Oh, everyone's Karen. generic. That's the I whole know. point. Yeah, I know. Have a tragic backstory. Have yeah. the, a really generic name for your striding. If you're in Wintermark, call yourself Olaf or whatever. If you're in Navarre, call yourself Bryn. Yeah, Wolfric, yeah. right? Like, uh, yeah, lean into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and that's the thing. When I went in there, I was proper, like, level one fighter. You know, I've got my shield, <laughs> I've got my sword, I've, I've got my chainmail, cool. And I had these these great ideas of going into Wintermark with all these other nerds. And, you know, and I've, I've got a bit of experience, like, when I say, I mean, like, a tiny, tiny bit in terms of a couple of different martial arts things. Or, like, I, I, I vaguely knew how to hold a sword. I had some training in how to hold a sword. So I'm like, I'm going to be great at this. This is a bunch of nerds. I'll rock into this. And then I got into Wintermark. <laughs> and one of the things I didn't expect was, uh, and bear in mind, I would only really not notice this on subsequent events because my first event was uh, a battle called Ica's Tears, which is notorious in Wintermark. Um, it doesn't sound like it went well. <laughs> I'll, I'll cycle back on, back on that in a second. Um, but yeah, and I had these ideas of coming in and being like, you know, sharp, and like come in and these, this plucky person comes in from no one's like, it's fine, I will lead you. I know what I'm doing here. Unsurprisingly, that did not happen because I didn't know jack all about doing any of this stuff, leading anyone on the battlefield. There were people on in that group who knew way more than I do, um, like literal professionals uh, doing some of this. Um, and yeah that was that was humbling that was a very humbling experience seeing the level of proficiency in wintermark and and i've seen that grow as and and distribute itself a little bit more as well people have taught other people people have come up through the ranks and that's that's interesting and it's taken me years to get in the position of having a you know relatively junior command position in the battlefield stuff that was fascinating coming up through there and seeing how the rest of the nation worked that i wasn't prepared for i think larp in general the the breadth of uh players uh, and just the, the the diversity of experience that that can make you explore i mean it, the battles were a, a core thing for us when we first started but interestingly the battles have almost become slightly secondary now my martial and... prowess is is non-existent, right? Like, if, if if at any point in this podcast, like while listening to it, you ever thought to yourself, "Wow, those guys really know what they're doing on the front line." Not at all. I no. have a shield. I wave my sword around a bit, and uh, I tend to run away unless unless it, I'm going to win this fight. It's 
I'm out. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> a lot of it is standing in lines, trying to look scary, which I can do. That is one thing that I would say I can do is like look into like, look like I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. As soon as they figure out he has no clue, I'm in a world of shit. So yeah, I feel like, but there are people out there that are legit badasses, right? Like, oh yeah. Do you remember that one where it was a skirmish against the Valorn in some woods in and then we're fighting and then there's this one guy who's like six foot behind the enemy lines we're all fighting right but he's behind the lines of the enemy just going come on charge type thing he's double wielding weapons and and just walking through and you're like i couldn't do that i can't do that right like i don't (laughs) have the ability to to do that but when you do bump into people that really know what the fuck they're doing that martial prowess right like and i think that comes across like you were saying sometimes in in how how each nation fights you know and and their Mm -hmm. tactics right but I think, sorry, go for it, dude. No, no, you go, you go. Yeah, I was. I, I think also there's so many, and this harks back to your uh, thing of different ways to be heroic. There's different ways to be effective. Yeah. There's different ways to achieve the goals that you maybe go into. And you can have a big influence on any situation just through a, a combination of luck, uh, drive, and application of the right, sort of tilt of your skills how do you how do you feel about like we keep touching on this the idea of like you're in a larger nation and you want to kind of like you know enjoy being part of wintermark you want to get out there get involved in some some of the larger plots like how would you suggest people go around that if they were new to to wintermark and wanted to get involved find something you care passionately about that that really is one of the best to use one of the best examples I can find, quick check. Are you okay with naming players? Uh, yeah, if if you think they would be okay with it, then it's on your head, really. So, okay, it's it blame pud. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so um, great case in point is um, Eska, a character called Eska, who uh, is played by someone called Meg, and she came into the game around the time of it was after the Scars into motion. And I don't know how much people will remember about all of this. Um, basically, Scars in Motion was Wintermark uh, gave up one of their own territories with the idea of then ceding it to the Imperial Orcs to give the Orcs a homeland. Yeah. Massive, massive deal. Um, uh, my previous character had been a big part of that. They then died, so I didn't get to play on the game I created as a result of that. Um, but then this, this person called Eska appeared on the field. And what PD had written some plot around um, one Wintermark Thane called Dogri, Dogri Thulsbane, who refused to leave Scarsind. He was like, no, I'm staying here. I'm not giving up this territory. And it became seriously tense, like nation splitting. And this was, was this a, uh, an NPC or actual player character? So this, this was plot. This was plot written okay, by okay. An, like portrayed by an embassy. I think it was another three events before they turned up on the field. Um, but this is all background plot. Meg came into the game, sorry, but Esker came into the game, and she came with this character of I'm a member of Dogris Hall. I've come to Wintermark and I've come to Anvil to speak on his behalf. And wow. she just ran with it. This was a bit of plot that she took. She read up on it and she spoke passionately. I mean, she's an actress as well, which which helps yeah. because she really sold it. Um and and that was great to the point where a lot of people thought she was an NPC. 
Mm. You know, they, they, they thought she was a plot creation because she took it and just just ran with this. There was trials, there was discussions, there was debate, and and it was brilliant because it not only created game, it boosted her profile. It was a really really cool uh, plot line, and then and then that plot line got resolved eventually after much tears and several executions and lots of death and tears and carnage. Um, and then, like, okay, well, that's resolved. And then Eska was like, hmm, slavery. That's a bad thing. So there was the, um, oh, I'm forgetting the name of it, it was the Liberty Pact. So the Liberty yes. Pact was a big deal recently. She was one of the key drivers behind that. Oh, so she's she's going to be responsible for World War One. Uh, okay, great, great job by Esther there. You know, I joke, I joke, I joke. It's, <laughs> it's so good, it's fantastic. The Liberty Pact, just to go over it real quick, is a treaty with nations that don't keep slaves and agree not to use slaves. Um, to, that they will have, they will trade freely with each other. But if you are are part of a trade a slaving nation, then uh, we will put tariffs on you, and everyone agrees to do that. Unfortunately, what this has actually done is created this weird, like, domino effect of potential alliances and all sorts of crazy shit. So, yeah, like, millions of people are going to die, but it is really cool that we are fighting slavery at the end of the day. So, I think it's one of those, you know, short term pain for long term gains, assuming we're around long enough to get the long term gains. Yeah, I mean, if we survive it, then everyone's a winner, you know? Yeah, fine. We'll we'll stack some bodies and it'll be pretty bad. It's going to get rough. It's going to get rough, but if we we all stick together and think about the principle, then uh, we'll be fine. Anyway, one to Mark. Yeah, yeah, no, I was actually going to ask, in in terms of, uh, because you spoke about uh, Navarre, but were there other nations that you considered other than Wintermark or were you particularly drawn i mean and and if so what what were those nations yeah not at the time so at the time when we were first uh joining the game and working out what we wanted to play so there was myself and a handful of mates um so oz uh, mark the humans variety um and a few others were looking at different nations and honestly navarre because um i mean in terms of tropes i like my wood elves i like i like you know, crayon face murder hobos, um, to, to use a slur. Um, that, that's very much my bag. I like people just being nutters and will happily cut you for looking at their tree wrong. Um, so the, obviously, hashtag not all Navari, et cetera. Yeah. But it's, um, <laughs> uh, it's, so there are, there, there's true though. Like it's, oh, not, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm saying now as a Navari, that's a hundred, there are a lot yeah. of, they're not everyone, but there are a lot of them in Navarre, you know, so. Yeah. Um, and that was cool, and, and I think partly because I'm a big fan of spears. You know, I'm predominantly a spear fighter even in Wintermark now, and spears are very classic Navari weapon. So, yeah, all of that really appealed to my aesthetic. And it was like, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. But they've got shield walls over there, and I I really like shield walls. I, it's, <laughs> it's weird. I love shield. I used to love shield walls, but now I'm like, ugh. Oh, shield walls. Do you know what I mean? I'm so meh about it. But no, shield walls are fucking cool. Like, if you ever watch, like, Vikings, or what was the one? Was it the last kingdom in England? Last, or, or, last, it was the first kingdom. episode of that, right? Whatever that was. Yeah. They had this great shield wall battle, and it's 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 horrible and it's fun. But, yeah, I can totally see the appeal of being a, not a Viking and fighting in a shield wall. 
<laughs> I don't know why I brought up a Viking show to describe it. So no, no, it's, it's fine. I think yeah. There's one episode in particular on that, and I think it was in the second season. I think it was in the second season, which has the single, the single best representation of a shield wall battle I have ever seen put screen, and it was beautiful because it wasn't just people charging, it wasn't people being nutters. It was full on, you know, farming the wall, finding gaps. You know, this tide wall of, of dead bodies when the lines split, it, horrible and carnage. And, and it, like, God, I miss shield walls. Yeah, one thing I would say, like, when you're because we're full, if you're a Navar, you'll often fight Wintermark when you're monstering, right? And vice versa. Yeah. It's just the way it is. They're both massive nations. It's how the, the waiting kind of like works on this stuff. So we fight each other a lot. I wouldn't say this is true for all of Wintermark, but there's a real hardcore, like, Hardcore is the wrong word because it makes it seem overly violent, which is not what it is. It's just a very professional unit of soldiers, and they work very well together yeah. when they're, they're mm. when they're fighting. And when you come across like a very well organized shield wall, it's cool to watch, but you're also like jealous of the unity of the people that you're fighting because yeah. they will step in. We we sometimes are real dicks about it, and we'll count back and basically try and taunt. And it must be horrible being in that position. By the way, I apologize so much. I feel really bad now that I'm talking about it, but no. um, it's great. No, it's it's, it's really cool. The, the unity of that shield wall looks very cool from the yeah. outside. Like uh, it's it's nice to see the bonds and the different characters because there's very distinctive characters on that line as well that are all kind of geeing each other on and working together. Yeah. And it's great because I I mean these days I'm actually a skirmish captain, so I spend I, the irony is I fight more like a Navari these days than than mm. you might what you might describe as the typical Wintermark. But um, yes, yeah, so these days I'm I'm fighting as a skirmisher, um, supporting your shield walls, but it's brilliant when you do have the shield walls one wall on the other and then skirmishers coming around that synergy and this ties back to three people one nations it's that alloy the three different styles the three different attributes working in concert with each other um and that that shield wall fighting yeah it's because i'm a fanboy you know bernard conwell you know i named my my first character was named kadan after a bernard conwell character um because i also have no imagination and <laughs> it was it's also my email um and yeah it was being part of that is just incredible and the, the group that you mean the um they referred to as the the iron bastards uh on the on the field and there's a there's oh so a they, are, they are this isn't imagined it's like yeah, uh, no, no. you know yeah. they're a very real thing are they so for, for, for rough concept of wintermark military setup in terms of anvil military setup there's a few um distinct military units on the field uh, there's different smaller ones but the, the most obvious one that people will associate with most when they see them from outside the nation is what's currently referred to as the iron bastards they are the ones who you'll see people going oh my god they look so well drilled they're so together and it's like yeah because they literally drill together there's a lot of them who know each other from other game systems from outside um empire or otherwise you know they they have actually trained together um the the guy who uh, uh what they get the guys who lead them and train them you know it's no accident they know what they're doing you know they they are trained uh, i need in, in to pick up they are I, doing <laughs> i need to pick up my weapons and do something with them in the long dark right like this is i'm listening to this and i'm just like while we're sitting here getting fat on the couch these guys are out <laughs> there just like every day training and they're, they're sweating like, in their garages do you know what i mean it's like, like a rocky montage going on off for like over a year they're like they, they are made of iron now it's, it's, but, it's 
but it's great. So you've got those guys who are, who are like a solid train block. And of course, you know, not everyone's coming in there. So you've got a lot of players who come on are part of smaller holes. Um, and that, bear in mind, because I know I'll get told if I don't describe it properly by um, Ailson if I don't represent him right. Um, so they're not just one hole. They're a conglomeration of multiple holes. Anyone can right. go and fight with them. They're effectively the heavy infantry blob of, yeah. of Wintermark. And then separate to that, you've got what's called the Heart of the Mark. Now, the Heart of the Mark was originally established as a way to bring together a bunch of small holes rather than having, you know, like a dozen or 20 small holes all fighting and dealing with their own thing without any kind of command structure or, or union like unity. The Heart of the Mark was formed to have all those different holes come together and fight as one. Um, under one banner for the purpose of that battle and then that's it it's uh informal slash semi-informal thing um so the the current captain of the heart of the mark which is a, a nominated position that is a character called helgen so uh she's my boss i'm a captain under uh so i believe the skirmishes under helgen um and then there's also there's a couple of smaller units but there's also another notable one which is the blood hands so the blood hand healers are a military um, um, military formation, effectively, who their job is to um, get healers onto the field, heal people, get them out again. So within the the, the blood hands, you can have healers. So you can have um, uh, uh, oh god, I'm forgetting my own archetypes now. Um, yeah, but in, say, could, I, could I just butt in and say this is awesome? Like that's the yeah. coolest thing. Like like you're like guarding a healer up into the line and back again yeah i think i've seen that i think yeah. it's it's funny you're describing this stuff and i'm like oh that's what that was because i think Tarek, you're you're, you're referring to there's an archetype in wintermark for a type of healer and it's that they kind of they're committed to not actually fighting am i correct in that but they heal people on the battlefield but they don't fight am i correct yes uh the grimnir the that's Grimnir, it, yeah. I totally didn't have to just look that up because, oh, God, <laughs> I'm going to Stop giving it away. It's okay. Um, yeah, so the, the Grimnir, and the Grimnir is a fascinating thing. So they're one of the archetypes, and their idea is they, they make an oath. So you can be a healer and not be a Grimnir. Yes. But a Grimnir is someone who has taken an oath to not – it's not they won't take up arms, but they won't seek battle. They won't seek combat. They, they won't seek heroism in, in the fighting. They are there to be healers. If they get attacked, sure, they can defend themselves. Again, different people interpret the oath in different ways, but there it is. They, they won't go and stand in the, in the battle line. They mm. will heal heroes. They will get them up. But it does mean that a lot of them will be quite squishy. So when you've got the Bloodhand healers, who are a combination of um, healers themselves, some Grimnirs, some non-Grimnir healers, and then some fighters who are there to support them, it's really good because... Um, Historically, we have lost a lot of people, especially in withdrawals, with treats, anything yeah. like that. Getting people up, getting them back behind <laughs> those lines, rather than just healing them in front of the lines. And so it's they were great. One of the hardest things to do in battle, uh, and it's one of the ways that you'll most likely die as a character, will be the line moves over you, and you yeah. get stuck, and there's no way to get for for a healer to get to you and that your timer times out essentially um or as you say just healers aren't able you know, there's a healer blob but it's not well protected it's not near the front line enough 
Um, we found when we, we've got the Sea Wolves, who are a mercenary outfit who we've mm. kind of pay to essentially do the same with our healer blob, and that's had a, a market uh, effect on sort of our ability to actually sort of replenish the lines because that's essentially what you're doing. Often things can turn into a battle of attrition. Your healers yeah. are your healers are your engine. Like if that isn't working properly, then you're not going anywhere, right? Like you need to be able to have that fast cycling of like be able to heal people quickly and safely, and then yeah. just get as maximum amount of people on the, on the and wanting to fight, right? Like if people can't get people are on like one or two wounds left, they're not going to charge, right? You need to have everyone kind of at that ready stage where they're like, okay, yeah. cool, right? I'm I'm we're all pretty healthy, most of us. Right, that's enough to really be confident in this next engagement. And, you know? and you've got to you've got to give people that confidence afterwards as well. So, uh, the most common cause of deaths, as I see from Wintermark battles, and again, this might be partly down to the way we fight, is either it will be as part of withdrawal. So, as we're pulling back, people fall in the withdrawal. We're not able to get them back. We've got better at that. There have been near routes. There've been absolute clusterfucks in the past where a lot of people have died. I've died as a result of this on my first character. And, it, and <laughs> it's heart-wrenching. So it's hard because, it, and once it starts, it becomes a cascade. Yeah. So one of the things that we drill most in Wintermark is withdrawing from a battle. So we'll have like pre-battle drills on a, like the Friday night. It's, it's disengaging and disengaging safely is so, so key, especially when, you know, you're doing close formation, battle formations. It's, it's really important. The other reason a lot of people will fall is when the word comes to step to contact when you're effectively you're engaging and you are going you know you're pressing on the enemy whether it's a charge or whether it's just a step 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 in there but when the order comes you have to commit to it and you have to have the confidence to commit to it knowing full well you're probably going to go down you know if, if you were in that and you have to do it you are probably going to go down but you have to have the confidence that the person behind you is going to step over you, not in a callous way, because if they step over you, it pushes the line forward. You, have, you are now behind your own lines, and you have to have the confidence not only that you're pushing in and all your mates are pushing in with you as well, so that they will push that line forward, but also that behind you are a bunch of healers who will pick you up, drag you out, heal you mm. up, so you can get back in. If you do not have confidence that there's healers and other people there who are going to follow you in, you won't do it. I think that when the, the for the line when that when that line movement happens and there's contact, it's often a battle of wills, right? Like at that moment there, will is like it can last five, ten seconds, whatever the hell that moment is, and it's very intense. And that's like people don't just lose units to give ground or to route or anything like that. It can it, it's often in those moments of will, one group against another, and and confidence is a huge part of that. The that you feel confident in the people next to you, and I think mm -hmm. something just with the mere nature of the shield wall, and and maybe the setup that you have with your healers is something that gives eggs on that. You know, it's also uh, like the numerics of it can be very, very tight at times. Like yeah. one person falls in a particular position that exposes somebody else and then they go down. And then before you know it, there's a salient within the line. It's been pushed into, it, it's, actually, it's amazing how quickly it can turn. You can be yeah. in a very strong position and then you can get smashed by a strong group of people on full hit yeah. points who come bursting into a weak area and just obliterate. So it's part of Sorry, sorry, Pod, go ahead. I was going to say, so part of the reason for, for my role is I, I lead um, a group of uh, people from the heart of the mark. And 
with skirmishes, the reason I lead this group, is, and especially as part of the heart of the mark, is they tend to be a lot of them are very new players. Uh, they're people who are more lightly armored, more lightly armed. They don't have a shield. They might not have some heavy armor. This could be their first, second, or third event. You know, they could be relatively new. So they're not fully equipped to stand with the heavy infantry. But they can still be really effective. So I try and take a bunch of those guys, make use of them in the skirmishes, because what they do have is they're much more lighter on their feet. And I can give them that bit of experience. And it's exactly as you say, it's that psychological element, because what I try and do as much as possible, if I can wrap a line or even threaten a line, sometimes mm. with a small band of skirmishes, I've done more by just being there and by being mm -hmm. threatening. And that threat, that psychological threat, can be as effective I mean, actual clash. Pud, if you want to talk about skirmish fighting, we're Navarre. That's what we do. That's our <laughs> yeah. bread and butter. I mean, that's what we Absolutely. wake up in the morning to do. We love walking around and just being places, looking at another unit, being like, yep, we, we could charge you. We definitely could. We're not going to. Yeah. But we we're just here because that's yeah. just to be the threat. It's it's really fun being in those in those units because we do that a lot in monstering. We do that a lot as Navarre. Um, yeah. A lot of moving around in kind of these not massively effective units. But when they when we do go, that's when yeah. the fun happens. You know, it's really you know what big. I hate. I hate playing against you guys when um <laughs> with when you're being a uh, or Grendel. Yeah, um, because that is just perfectly suited to your style of we fight. really struggle playing Jotun, i think yeah uh, really which is often struggle. what we have because uh, we can't do the line fighting yeah. kind of stuff and if it's if it's a case of us lining up against you yeah. we just get ground down we're so a, often we're a scary grendel we yeah. have a really good time we're very motivated everyone's having an absolute shit because we're, we're really happy to charge because it, like we know that like okay we're like a bunch of us are gonna die but we're all g'd up and we're gonna have it makes us a lot more because this is one thing that's hard with skirmishes ice like in actual your character right is mm -hmm. well you don't always want to charge into something because that's that's a very dangerous thing being a skirmish yeah. fighter right like you can get deaded very quick you know yeah yeah also when when if you have too many skirmishes you lack any uh, anvil for the hammer that you're trying to be. So this, this, this became an interesting thing for Wintermark, where we had an explosion of growth. Like, we grew insanely quickly. Humes! Um, <laughs> and it was... Uh, it's interesting because it, it had a shift in the dynamic of our military setup. Because, as I mentioned, a lot of the new players aren't necessarily... Some of them will be, but a lot of them aren't going to be equipped for heavy infantry. Um, which meant that the balance of heavy versus light to medium infantry got skewed more in mm. favor of light to medium and we we struggled we struggled and we had a couple of really bad battles not because people weren't fighting well but because we weren't used to fighting with that um that element balance. yeah yeah so it, yeah. It, it skewed our usual tactics didn't work because mentally we thought right well we've got this much heavy infantry this much light infantry we'll balance our tactic around that that's 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 very uh, yeah. much. Uh, I mean, that's how it played. Honestly, uh, you f it, it, to fight Wintermark, and I'm I'm thinking of two battles that we've been involved in that were very nasty for Wintermark. Like, I think they're two. Yeah. I, I think so. Last year was uh, oh, yeah. Well, there was a couple, but, but I think 2019 was yeah. yeah. <laughs> last year, right? Okay, 2019, yeah. last year. Okay, for yeah. the rest of the podcast, um, like that. 
it, it felt unwieldy, right? Like we were fighting something that wasn't quite as coordinated as it should be just because of its scale almost, right? Like um, I think that was something that was quite telling. I, I, I have heard, though, on the grapevine that Wintermark are going to be taking their, their armies a lot more seriously going forward from those defeats, I think. you know. What, one thing I will say with Wintermark is we're good about learning. So yeah. we've, we've learned from previous mistakes. We've learned from previous uh, errors. It was... Um, so I, I mentioned really early on around uh, that my very first event, I turned up as level one Steiner. I had my Saxon <laughs> tunic. I had my shield. Actually, I'd forgotten my shield, so I had to buy another one of the event because I wasn't not having a shield. And and yeah, the the very first battle, or the, the battle of the very first event I was there for was um, the Battle of Icarus Tears, which became notorious in Wintermark because Wintermark was annihilated because that was the first battle that saw the appearance of the War Rhino. And for a long time in Wintermark, there was the rallying cry of, fuck the War Rhino. Yeah, because... it's, uh, War Rhino is like Opal Winfrey handing out like mortal wound cards, right? Like you get you a mortal get wound and you... you get it and you get it and you get it. And they're just yeah. like the whole lines of people can just get decimated in uh, a yeah. short succession. Fantastic. And, was... and Brown, I'm going to be, this what I'm describing a lot of this is hearsay because full disclosure, it was my first event on the Friday night. I maybe didn't give all the homebrew the respect <laughs> it deserved. I missed my first battle. I missed, I was there for the battles and I missed my first battle because I was horrifically hungover, probably still drunk, crawling and lying in front of my tent at the time. Meanwhile, that brand new shiny nation was being slaughtered on a field. Um, <laughs> Are you, yeah, are, are you now overly strict with yourself because of that one incident? I have never been so drunk before or since, and certainly not at Empire. Um, I drink I, I one for one with booze and water these days. Oh, you're yeah. so well behaved. You, you no, were. I, 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 well, there's a couple of reasons. I've learned my mistakes, partly because just I never want to go through that again, ever. But also because I spend so much time singing or shouting, I yeah. lose my voice if I don't. I, I have to. Otherwise, I absolutely will lose my voice. A lot of singers won't even drink alcohol, right, when they're singing because of the effect yeah. it can have on their voice. Yeah. Which, I mean, I'm not going to do that because <laughs> I, I still really like having a drink. Um, <laughs> and we should actually touch on the fact that obviously you perform and, and, and sing. Um the process of being a uh, a scop and a bard in, in Wintermark and coming up with the songs, um, can you give any insights maybe to anybody who's thinking to, of entering the game into the nation on, in that kind of way and how to maybe go around piecing together a, a story or a narrative? Or Yeah, I mean, in terms of the, the, the stylistic type of things, what, one thing I will say here is if, if there's anyone who then goes and looks me up or, or looks at my music or stuff, <laughs> I don't think I'm a great representation of Wintermark musical styles. I am in some of them. So some of my songs, I'm, I'm more happy than others, but I struggle to write to a particular style. Um, I'm, I'm not that proficient musician. There's some people who are much, much better um, representations of Wintermark musical styles. So I'm just going to throw that one out right now in case anyone goes, yeah, we'll play like Tarek. He's great. It's like, no, no, don't. Copy that because it's not always great. I think um, that's something to be said for singing in your own voice as well, right? And pursuing your own your own exactly. voice. Exactly. Um, Wintermark praises uh, individuality. Um, that that's a big, big thing. Um, be yourself. If 
if you are proficient enough that you can come up with your own musical style, you can play by yourself, you can, you know, you're an instrumentalist, you can do all that stuff, amazing. If you can just tell a story and tell it well, that, because stories are a big, big part. I mentioned about every hero has a name, every name has a story. Storytelling is probably one of the least represented art forms I see on the field. Music, we see loads of it, but storytelling. And specifically, my advice, if you're writing a song, or you write a poem, or you're writing a story, keep it brief. Keep it short. The longer it goes on, the more you're going to lose your audience. Um, if it's a song, three verses. You know, three verses in the chorus. Um, if you're telling a story, if you can keep it to five minutes, great. If you get really confident, and as you get more experience, cool, extend it out there. But a short, high-quality story um, is, is a work of art. I can't do this. It, give me a script. Give me a story to read out. I will go to town on it, and I will love it. But people who can weave a tale and weave a narrative, that, there's, there's a few people who are superb at that. Our, our Thane uh, is one. Um, so uh, Thane Jag, he is brilliant at doing it. Um, uh, other one, he used to be our Egregore, and now you've got him. Um, <laughs> uh, so Al, um, before yeah, he was called Thane Jag. Dawn just stole ours. Don't, don't look at us like that. You know what I mean? It happens to everybody. Um, but he, he's he's an example of a, of a superb storyteller as well because he also keeps it brief. So that would be uh, that would be one of the best pieces of advice I would give Al's, anyone. Al's like my high watermark for a storyteller at uh, yeah. Empire. Basically, he's like I, it, there's the nuance in what he's doing. Like, and I, I, you can just go and watch Al and just enjoy the story. But when you like, when you're trying to learn about how to tell stories, you're just like, that's smart. Yeah. Oh, that's really smart. Oh, I like that. And I, I, it's, 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 yeah, there's a real art form to it. And I, I definitely aspire to tell stories. Actually, one thing we did actually get a story when we went to Wintermark. It was around the, uh, there was a fire on a slightly raised area. Man, yeah. this is, this is funny. Is that true? Is there a raised area in the camp with a fire on it? We have a fire pit. Yeah. So yeah. We, we've I picture it as raised in my head. Like, it's basically just, it's like a, Imagine something about the, the height of maybe a coffee table. Yeah. Oval, I'm going to say it's about yeah. seven foot long. That sounds about right. Good, long. yeah. My, my yeah. brain hasn't completely uh, taken over the narrative up there yet. So you, um, you'll, you'll, you'll know it when it's not lit and you walk into it in the pitch dark. That's where you're <laughs> Yeah, I walked into the Farouchkin uh, fire. Or like I think it was a... Uh, water uh, wood pile. I don't know why I'm bringing yeah. up that story. It was actually very embarrassing at the time. I probably shouldn't <laughs> mention it. Um, but we got a story in Wintermark. Um, just, just I can't. He must have been. I, he was wearing the kind of stone crow gear, so I assume it was. But he was asked to tell a story, and it's always good when someone, if someone yeah. asks someone to tell a story, are oh, you like, all right, hold on, boys, we're gonna, we're just gonna say for a couple to... of minutes, we're gonna hear the the man out and the all women out, and then we're gonna, uh, you know, get ahead on, and but. And it's a key thing there. It's like getting people's attention is easy. Holding their attention is much harder. And that's where the combination of that, that brevity and having a performance style, you don't have to shout, but mm. be clear, um, you know, enunciating. People shouldn't have to strain to hear, but at the same time, they shouldn't be leaning back. You can emote without shouting. Um, I say I this to role the, players around the world. One of the great joys about uh, 
your stuff if you'll forgive me for fanboying a little bit. Uh, <laughs> it, it out, Ian. Come on, you've been so well behaved, Ian. You've been <laughs> so well behaved. behaved. We, we, were inside, out, we were inside um, one of the taverns of Wintermark, I forget which one, and uh, you kind of came in and just blew us all away with just some remarkable singing. But a fantastic voice, really good in, uh, playing of the uh, instrument. But the, 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 the core part of it was the story in the song um, and the way it actually spoke to the brief of the nation mm. very clearly. You got a very clear sense of what it was, what the, and you use the word virtue, but I mean, in terms of the, the virtues of the nation, what the, what the actual aspects of the nation that you as an outsider would want to aspire to were, you know, rise up's yep. a great song, for example, um, it, now, what's funny with that is there's a couple of things funny there. First off, I think I know exactly the performers and exactly the tent that you're talking about because that was your. Because I remember listening to your podcast, and I think it was, <laughs> it was the first batch of it. Because I think you spent like three of your first three episodes just talking about that one event, that that first yeah. event, which was yeah. Yeah. mud, mud yeah. apocalypse. Um, yeah. And yeah, because I. I remember I was listening to the podcast and, and I was like I know that event I remember the battle I remember the swamps because it was just the mud was horrific and what was meant to be happening there was that was meant to be a Wintermark uh, festival of arts that's mm. what we intended to do British weather had different ideas <laughs> so it ended up as just cramming into the artisan's arms which is the, the, the biggest tavern in Wintermark right? okay. which was just cramming in there doing a bunch of ad hoc performances basically um and yeah, and, and that that's actually interesting. So there's that um again, I'm, I'm not gonna use this to talk about my own stuff, but um so the, the the first two songs I wrote, one was um Sing for the Mark and yeah. one was Rise Up. Now Sing for the Mark I thought was interesting because that is the only very much very blatantly explicitly Wintermark song that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I mean my entire intent there was I wanted something that people could shout along with. That was like very blatant. It's like, cool, I'm going to try and be a performer. I want something to shout with. Cool, I'll try and go with that. I had also been listening to a lot of Hamilton at the time. Um, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it probably won't surprise a lot of people to know that I don't really rap. I'm not a rapper. Um, and yet then I decided to explore the idea of, you know, folk rapping, which I didn't know was a thing, but apparently it is. Um, so I started playing with, with that. and. And honestly, and it's weird because as a as a bard, as a scop, I think I made my name and I made rep my reputation off that song because it was it, it just had a clear focus. There was a thing I really wanted to do, and that's the shit turned into that. Um, the beauty people is people loved it, dude, and it really like it. It makes you feel like it's. We're, we're, I didn't say we we're in Wintermark. It was a very <laughs> much we were somewhere else. It, it like we we were. And, and not in an unwelcoming way, but it was just a wonderful cultural experience to be surrounded by people. And, and the rallying cry, but yeah. like, I, I think we kind of half joined in singing, but it's all about how fucking great Wintermark are, which is no, like it, it's, weird for another nation, right? It's, no, it's no, great. That, that, that's entirely what's there for the entire concept of the song. And this isn't accidental. So the, the concept of the song was meant to be, it's like, hey there people, welcome to our fire. And it's meant to be come in from the cold. Let me introduce you to my nation. Let me tell you about my nation is the entire concept of the song which I really, really wanted to do. That was, it was a very conscious decision that I wanted to do that because cycling back to a conversation we had 
possibly even just before we started the podcast, <laughs> Wintermark hasn't always had the best reputation amongst other nations um, and sometimes other players, sometimes justifiably so as well. And I wanna, hold on, I want to just I want to just clear our names by saying that it may be a, a victim of like Wintermark's success is sometimes they have a bit of a bad rep for, for just for that. Like I don't even, you know, I, I, I look at me sweating now. Do you know what I mean? Please, Wintermark, <laughs> please, Wintermark, don't come and get me. No, and, and, <laughs> and it's genuinely fine because there there have been times where it's it's understandable. I think a lot of Wintermark players, especially um, some of the 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 old old hands, since we even call ourselves an old hand because there were people around before me. Um, we we have had problems both in terms of our size, in terms of our representation. Um, I don't think I'm entirely out of room by saying that there's been a few characters historically in Wintermark who I don't believe they play the game, no one who have rubbed people up the wrong way as well. There are some mm-hmm. people who's when I say that I mean players. There have also been some characters who very deliberately rub people up the wrong way because that's their character, that's what they do. So there are some antagonistic elements to Wintermark. Um, and yes, the, the sheer size of us. Um, I know that we've been both praisingly and disparagingly referred to as the noob nation, the level one noob nation, because I, I got, hey, we, I got, I got told someone, someone gave. It was in a conversation. I said I was Navar, and someone said noob nation. I can't remember when it happened, but I remember it doesn't feel nice. That's for damn sure. Being called part of a noob nation, that is, it's gross. Like if you ever say that about another nation, like wash your mouth out that is it's, it's <laughs> horrible it's like it's a yeah. really nasty prejudgment on anyone as a as an rp you know as a as a role player it's like uh it's it's i don't think that's fair at all i remember like at one at one event I'll, I'll tell you an anecdote right just to kind of get context for what i'm actually talking about right mm. so i'm going to talk about like basically wintermark becoming like a boogeyman because of their reputation, right? So when you're fighting, um, when you're mon- going to, uh, as your nation, to fight monstering, the entire opposition are wearing masks. I had a couple of battles where some guy kept whacking me in the head, and like rudely so. This isn't like, oh, I hit you in the head because the only thing I had an option to hit or whatever. It was, it was quite rude, and like uh, I got pretty pissed off of it. Um, someone said. Oh, that's that winter marker again. And I think back at it now, where the assumption was just so easy to fit and being like, mm. of course it was a winter marker. I and mean, that's kind of like, that's kind of bullshit prejudice, right? Like, you're like, I have no idea where that, that guy was from, what nation he was from, or whether he represents his nation in any way, shape, or form. But I think that's an easy trap to fall into at a, a large fest lineup like this, you know? Yeah. And, it, and it's interesting, I think partly because. <laughs> To use the, the the noob nation analogy, um, at a certain point a couple of years ago, we very much earned that, you know, that, that appellation. You know, we became a noob nation because the, a huge proportion of the influx of new players came in via Wintermark um, because of the popularity of certain people, people like Humes and what have you, and um, and just it's simple. The brief is very simple. The, the basic kit can be very simple as well. Um, people see Wintermark and they can just see some of the bits. Like you, you see a Steiner, you see a Wintermark Steiner. Without reading the brief, you get an idea of what the culture is. It's very easy, it's very accessible. And, and, and I don't know if it's been a conscious thing, but we've 
kind of come to embrace that. I mean, it's I don't, I don't regard it as being a bad thing now. It's like, cool, we got a bunch of people into the game. We will quite happily, if we get a massive wave of players and they all come into Nation, we'd say, don't just choose Wintermark, explore other nations. But if you come into Wintermark, cool, we'll come into Wintermark. We'll try and give you a great experience. If you die and you respawn as another nation, great. All power to you. Hope you enjoyed your time here. We'll see you in another life. Mm. Um, and that's that's fine. I am I am totally okay with that. I, my role, my battlefield roles. I literally I take people who are green and new to the nation, and I try and give them a good experience on the battlefield and bring as many of them back alive as possible. So I, I you know, I, I could agree more. And and uh, you know, ultimately. Surely you want your nation to be an inviting place that attracts more people, uh, and and more people means uh, new more people too, right? More game, more everything, right? Uh, every person is another opportunity to have, uh, you know, an excellent time and yeah. to to help someone. And there's nothing more en- enjoyable or rewarding in LARP than helping someone else, you know, uh, achieve good RP or or just being part of their story in any way you know that's the rewarding stuff right it's one thing i've been curious about with because we came in as part of that wave i can't remember our how many how long after i think we went to e1 whatever we missed a couple of events after it was released right but we we were definitely part of that big wave of new players and it must have been interesting it's something that i'm curious about when i talk to some more experienced players uh or more long in the tooth players is that cultural shift that might have happened. And that must have been quite jarring for some people in their nation, right? Like they, they must have felt like I, this is my place in this nation and this is how it goes. And there's a massive influx of all these new people. It must have been quite jarring. I feel like now we're, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot more kind of unity in, in, in the nations anyway. Not that there was any ever a rift, but I think like mm. that cultural identity kind of gets spread around right like and that might be my my version of navarre might be very similar to many other people of why i like the nation and, and the different things that triggered me into it in fact i'm curious uh, like so for example i would say uh fighting singing the being threatened with a knife outside when you're when you're leaving to go and get a thing you get a cookie or a, or a knife fight right that's a very navar thing that you get used to uh songs and stories right there's a few of these right ian that are kind of like these are the things that indoctrinate you into the nation like what, what would you say are the kind of things that players in wintermark might bump into that will kind of like draw them into this this idea of of being part of a nation yeah i mean i <sighs> I can't not reference the, the militaristic aspect of it, because although, yes, we do celebrate non-combat heroism as well, um, it is still a huge a huge part of, of the Wintermark game. You do not have to be a fighter to be part of Wintermark at all, and you can be any type of fighter. You can be a mage. I'm just throwing these disclaimers out there. Yeah. I don't want to discourage people thinking, oh, well, I don't fight. Um, but we do large-scale battle training in the middle of our um, in the middle of our square on the Friday night, uh, when Wintermark is mustering in the morning, ready to go to battle. Holy shit, that's a sight. Um, so I'd be remiss if I didn't say that. And it's really cool. Even now, I, it still gives me tingles when we do that. That's one element of, of it. Um, another big thing for us is campfires, being around the fire. Um, and I'm, where I mentioned earlier on that, I didn't basically I didn't leave the Wintermark camp for like my first year or two years because everything I wanted 
was around that fire with my friends, my hall, sat around the fire, chilling out. And this was before I was I was a scop as well, so I was a mm. fighter from my previous two characters. So I wasn't even performing. Just that social element and that camaraderie around whether it's a small fire, whether it's one of the big fires, like, like the, the, the big Wintermark fire pit, that um, tradition of hospitality is also a key thing. And it's, it's in the wiki as well. So there's a yeah. tradition. Don't abuse it. They're still players rather than people's holes. So don't go in there expecting free booze from every hole. But <laughs> it, it, um, yeah. the, the concept of hospitality is a, yeah. is a big thing. Um, the moot is an interesting, so our equivalent of your standings. Um, the, the moot is an interesting experience. Um, we, just like everything, you know, meetings happen. They're big. And that Friday time in moot, when that happens and you get all the nation together for the first time, we have a position called the um uh the steward oh crap again i'm forgetting even my wintermark i'm afraid you thing have there. to leave wintermark now pud i'm it's afraid really bad there's really one piece of information so basically there, there is a there is a wintermark position it was effectively the chairperson of the big meetings including the moose so they keep things moving along they stop just random people rambling they stop it dragging on for hours because that has happened historically that used to happen but when you've got several people, several hundred people rather, gathered around in this big circle, all cheering, and one of the things we do as well is um, a tradition sat up by someone on the hall. was like, who here is Steiner? Hooray! Who here is Suak? Hey! Who's Calabasi? Hey! Who's Wintermark? And that roar. And again, every nation does it. But it's one of the strengths when you do have that many people. One of the things you can do is that, that role when it comes up is wonderful quick question and, yep um can steiners and suak and all that stuff can they i mean the different like these archetypes can they group together in one house or yes. uh, hall hall sorry hall hall uh yeah so the idea is it's not each of the different wintermark nations so the suak originally were from some suak uh the steiner predominantly from uh, Hanmark, uh, the Calavesia from Calavesa, um, so traditionally from these regions. But you choose your tradition when you come of age. So you're not born into a tradition. These these three nations are called traditions. So the Steinosuak, Calavesi are traditions. And it's a conscious decision when you come of age, either as a player or, or whatever. Um, and you will have halls who are maybe predominantly of one of these traditions or they could be a complete mingling of all of them there's no geographical um boundary as to where each of these different traditions can come from and yes it's it's exceptionally rare for any hall to be just one tradition interesting i didn't know that that's cool thanks for clearing that up you, you will get you will get some who will be very themed towards one hall like there's a couple of holes um or some who people will think like to, to use um dunhoff for an example, who are the, the huge Wintermark Hall who all dress in red up at the top of the field. Um, people think they're a Steiner Hall. There's not there's non-Steiner in their hall as well. Um, but it's just that they're quite heavily based on Steiner. There's one of the group, I think the Acelings, who I think are all Steiner. Um, because and they've got a very strong unified theme, but most halls will have multiple nations represented. Awesome. And multiple uh, traditions. I'm just gonna go and pee. Uh, I'm listening. Just keep talking, basically. I'm, I'm sure you both will be fine. 
Yeah, I guess I, I was going to put you in the role of being part of the tourist bureau for Wintermark. If I was <laughs> someone from another nation and yeah. uh, I wanted to pick up the uh, the pod brochure of where and what I should do, because speaking for myself, and uh, I think going to Wintermark is partly for the scale of it, but also just mm. for... Uh, the sights and sounds is something that you should try and do if you attend Empire. But yeah. if, if you were to try and, as I say, put together a little tourist brochure of Wintermark, what do you think you would say to someone from another nation that they should go and do and see and uh, and explore? Yeah, if you were coming to Wintermark, as in Wintermark, as the Wintermark camp in Anvil, yes, then, sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah it, I would say um, go for a drink. So we have. Yeah. Uh, also, there's a lot of different bars and stuff, um, but get a get a beer in the artisan's arms. Get a um, go for tea at Lumi's. So Lumi's tea shop, um, excellent. Lumi's has literally saved my voice because she does a scops toddy, which is <laughs> like lemongrass and tea and ginger nice. and rum. That that has saved me, saved my voice on it. What's the name of the so, place again? Uh, Lumi's. Lumi's tea shop. Um, well, we we haven't been there. We're definitely going now. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Tea at Lumi's. Um, drink in the artisan's arms. Uh, be around the fire. So Wintermark is a place that comes alive at night. Mm. When the sun starts going down, when the fires get lit, especially when that central fire pit gets lit, be there. A- attend a moot. You know, just to hear the business get talked about. You get a rough idea of the the the, the feel of the nation there. Um, Either go to battle or see us go to battle. It's really cool. But yeah, go to halls. And that that's a key thing. If you really want a good sense of the nation, go around halls, visit people's campfires. Um, you know, ask it's definitely, told. Yeah, it's something that we haven't really done. I think we've kind of approached it the wrong way because there are some big fuck off halls, right? There are like some things. And we, uh, we've gone to the mistake of going, are you a bar? Right? And that is, <laughs> and it's, yeah. We should st- stop asking in Wintermark if they're a bar because it's a terrible opener, right? Like it's a bad first cold move into a thing. Like we, we've had a few things and this isn't on the same scale. I would say this is something kind of like other nations do it where there's kind of like fire hopping, right? Where you might go around and like yeah. say hello to people and, and like approach. And there's always a really lovely back and forth of it. Hello, hello. I make a wise crack. Someone else makes a wise crack. They laugh. Oh, can we join you? Yeah, I think we've got some extra seats. And then we have a little shindig with some new people, right? Um, Wintermark, it seems like a more like a kind of like, oh, what's that? Uh, what's that thing tailgating or whatever, right? Like in the states where they they have the pickup <laughs> yeah. trucks. There's just like it's big fires, lots of people. It's a big vibe, and we've never really got into any of it. We're not cool enough, Ian. We haven't actually, really got into I, any of those actually, fires. I've done a bit of walking around Wintermark. Uh, of it's have. sort of late at night. But like yeah. one of the great things is, and, and to hit on what you were saying, uh, and Andrew, is like the, the fact that you can kind of walk around and you'll see all of these silhouettes moving around all these different points of light, mm-hmm. uh, which are these fires, all around Wintermark. And as you're walking around, you're kind of... the. It's almost like um, it kind of struck me as like being a bit like those uh silhouette puppet show sort of things from the outside when you're looking in yeah. it's actually quite spectacular because of the sheer number of fires and people and groups having those little 
discussions. And each one of those is a node where you can go and engage in some story. And yeah. um, I, I came back from a, a, a bad defeat at the uh, Hand of the Seabors uh, after a poker game. And uh, I, I happened to sort of stroll through Wintermark and actually there was like a, an open chair near one of the uh, one of the sort of halls there. I can't remember who they were, but they were so awesome because they just gave me a little, like I just sat with them for a bit by the fire because it was super cold and I just had an opportunity to warm my hands. And I, I was just listening to the general business of the hall, mm-hmm. but it was that kind of really nice kind of... Um, People watching is the wrong term, but you know what I mean? A feeling of community and a feeling of um, being around being someone. the guest, right? Yeah, it was cool. cool. And it was you're really... such a party animal. This is bullshit. Like, at my <laughs> OC, I'm like, that's, I do, uh, I see, for some reason, I'm the guy that tucked up in bed. Oh, oh the rusty, rusty compass are being very loud tonight, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? I'll tuck myself in with my hot water bottle. And it's uh, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Definitely. I need to party yeah. way harder next time. Tarek is not a good representation of Pud, uh, and this this is the key thing. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm the same. I, I and whereas I'm saying here's like, oh yeah, just go around people's fires, say hi, introduce yourself. I'm terrible. I get nervous. I I, I yeah. I, I, I cannot cold, cold introduce myself. I I hate it. I get very intimidated by it. Um, I am not confident in introducing and insinuating myself into uh into a group like that that's fascinating Um, but that's absolutely fascinating like if anybody knows me i will talk to i'm the person that will make a joke to someone standing in the queue at tesco i'll talk to everybody it's what i it's it's 100 what i'm known for is just literally having no difficulty whatsoever talking to a group of people or whatever at a distance and i find that very interesting because i would find the idea of singing or even telling a story sometimes i find that incredibly difficult despite having the um the shield of the song or the story sometimes right that i find that far more nerve-wracking i find it fascinating you as a person um would feel would have a lack of confidence in approaching a group and that's that's not unusual among, among a lot of performers. Um, you know, part of the reason we become performers is because that's you know we, it's like it's easy to do it when you've got a song or a script or something to to do. It's not going to go there. Exactly. And and with Tarek, I can I effectively use Tarek. And yes, Tarek has built a better reputation, which helps massively because then that makes it easier for me to come into those conversations. If I'm wandering around with a guitar as well, it's like. Hi, I'm a I'm a bard. I've I've got a reason to exist and and be here, which which helps, you know, facilitate those types of conversations. But yeah, for my first two years, I stayed with my hole in my nation, and we'd occasionally have a wander around, but I wouldn't know how to start a conversation with another group or another hole. Bit of a tangent, but I was going to ask you as I've got the opportunity to have you here. What's the etiquette on approaching? If I see you with your guitar, and I'm like, crack us a song. Is it, what, what's the etiquette on that? <laughs> right, like yeah, you I don't want to be, you don't want to be like, it. here's some money, dance for me, monkey, do you? Yeah, right, like you don't want to be that way about it. Yeah, um, like hey, how do you approach it? So it depends how fast I'm walking and how knackered I look at the time. Um, <laughs> um, I, mean, I assume if you're walking anywhere, it's not a good time. But if you're in maybe at a campfire or something, yeah. is it different? Or uh, yeah, I mean generally. Um, I think the only times I'll refuse to perform because being asked to perform is is a massive honor. I mean, I'm I'm fully aware that 
you know, and I keep saying I'm going to relate this to Tarek, not me, but that that people have latched onto Tarek and have liked his shtick. Um, but I'm there's never a time when I will not be flattered by people asking for a song, especially if they want to throw money at me as well. Um, <laughs> and and it sometimes gets a little bit difficult just where money is involved because there's still imposter syndrome and in terms of, oh, no, I can't possibly ask for money. Mm. Um, but, yeah, asking people for a song, I'm saying this for myself and other people, Yeah, I can't imagine anyone will ever be offended or annoyed by that. For myself, the only times when I will uh, politely decline will be either because I have completely lost my voice, um, which does happen on a fairly regular basis. I have literally written songs or poems, things that I can sing, depending on how fucked my voice is, um, <laughs> right. with a specific purpose in mind. Um, or if someone else is performing, because again, I still want to encourage and facilitate other people performing. I don't want to, you know, hog the space and it just become the Tarek show because that's boring for everyone. Um, mm, yeah, yeah but, the, the, but I think any time like that, it's like asking people, it's, it's cool, especially if it's quiet and sort of, hey, give a song. I mean, the worst that's going to happen is politely say no um what is what is interesting and goes back to the the, the money stuff and you saying hey monkey dance throw money do the thing insert money song comes out yeah um is some people feel awkward dealing with money which is difficult when prosperity and pride are virtues yeah and that's great game design because mm. it means that you can use those virtues to boost your confidence in these areas uh, people um, people really struggle with i what well, i struggle with value at empire and i think it's um god it's it's just it's honestly it's haunting listening to you talk about this stuff because it's like but both me and ian have definitely resonated with like what you're saying in a number of different ways right the idea of being confident in some aspects and not others right imposter syndrome asking for potential money like bear in mind we have a we have a patron now Right, and I've had a very mixed relationship with just the idea of receiving uh, money. Like, I'd I'd prefer to spend a thousand pounds a year on the podcast than ask someone for for two pounds a month. Right, yeah. like that's 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 where my mentality is at. Because it, so when and and listen to you talk, and believe me, you're a very talented performer. Right, like it's an absolute treat to 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 listen to you sing, and it's we can't thank you enough like honestly we joke about fanboying but the reason why we're doing that is because of how wonderful our memories of of what you managed to create into what was at the time a very grim scene right like we were very tired wet there was well, we were in a tent because we had nowhere else to go right like it was like we didn't have a fire at the time no awning it was just a cold damp uh, damp uh, campsite all where we were and we were low so to hear someone come in and and just nail it down but i think that's very interesting i think we should always remember uh, uh we we actually recorded an episode with um justin talisma who who played kiartan he's a very well known unfortunately the audio was so bad but one thing i got struck about that was similar that, vibe even that in itself was like what, what's that you couldn't hear justin no the problem no. we had we it was uh, <laughs> this is the problem we've had lost episodes due to uh, the nature of recording oh, which no. is a pain in the ass we're learning as we go but still sometimes it's, it's frustrating but yeah. it's interesting to see what from the outside seems a very confident person who's pushing themselves to their absolute limits 
and you just can't tell because they're doing so good. That happens mm. a lot at Empire. That 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 uh, generals, senators, formers. It's that, that everyone's doing this thing, and a lot of them are pushing themselves to the absolute hilt. So I think so, it's it's interesting to remember, and I hope it gives other people confidence that yeah. we all get scared. It's the pushing ourselves past that line and 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 pushing ourselves, and that that might be small steps. That might be very so, small steps. At risk of spoilerizing my own stuff, literally the song that I'm like a hair's breadth away from finishing at the moment is about imposter syndrome mm -hmm. and that realization that everyone else is the same. We're all bullshitting our way through this, um, especially Empire, where we're literally pretending yeah. to be people. So if you're pretending to be someone who's able to pretend to be someone else, great, you know, go full inception, go as many layers down as you need to in order to find what you do and use the virtues you know use them as a, as a crutch as a lever as justification it's, it's, it's just enough distance for a lot of personal growth right and i think that's what it's it's why kids play it's why we role play is to kind of like to simulate these experiences and these feelings right in in a, a in, in what is actually it might seem to us because we're living it uh, it seems very stressful, but really, it's a very safe environment to kind of express yourself in, right? Like if you like the, the first, like the, the only story I've done at Song and Stories was a limerick, right? For the sole purpose, it's written down. It, if it goes wrong, I'm there for ten seconds and I'm out, right? Like I walk in, I hello Navar, they say hello back. I gave a bit of chat about writing a limerick and then read the limerick and then said strength for the empire bam strength for navar i'm out drop the mic i'm done right like and that was that's all i had the courage to do yeah. it wasn't because i knew that that would just be it's it's easy that was because it was the smallest easiest thing i could possibly manage to get in front of that crowd and not call it off right now now having done that my confidence is growing in fact i relish the chance to go and tell a story at songs and story i'll still be shitting my pants when i'm making on the side trying to make eye contact with gabby or sam or whoever else yeah. is in the circle trying to get out there and, I, and i'll be very scared but you may not be able to tell that i am mm. scared you might just enjoy it i promise you now I've, I've been performing in some capacity whether it's bands theater gigging whatever in some capacity since i was like 17 16 17 what you're describing there that that's slight shitting it that slight terror just before you start will never go away just accept it yeah you're never going to get over that fear but it's momentarily and, and you, it's you do it often enough to the point where you know the reward is worth that moment of fear it's a win every yeah, time it's, it's a win it's a win when you do it it's it's and you train yourself to enjoy that win expect the win and when you it's still scary but the win is still worth it sorry and i was interrupting no 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 that that, that hint of adrenaline uh is tied to that though i think that's the thing right like the it's necessary otherwise you wouldn't give a shit yeah and if you didn't give a shit it wouldn't be an authentic expression mm -hmm. and that ultimately all we're trying to really do uh, is yeah. find a way to express ourselves in an honest capacity and and that that can have so many different ways ways to do it but that when you're singing a song you know of course you're nervous yeah that's, i mean you're performing in front of a lot of people and that's that's the way it is but hopefully you can get 
get through it and it, it, we, Ian, we love it Ian, i love the way that it's, it's very true what you just said about the um looking for a way to express yourself um i've become very interested in this like it's it's and 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 that's part of why i love larp is um podcast aside just in the game is like how do i express uh can i can i sing i want to sing right like that's that's become i want to do poetry i want to do mm-hmm. art i want to do other things um in an in character setting but definitely part of like it's 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 interesting to me and i want to find a million and one different ways to express myself in the game of larp and i think that's something um really fantastic that i'm i'm still getting used to like um ian you singing um at the end of that uh the actual history episode which we brought up at yeah. the beginning um i didn't know you were going to do that and it fucking blew my mind like when i listened to it because i listened to it like straight up like everyone else did we released the ian sent me the files and i released it like everyone else listened to it and i was just like god damn son that's like my homeboy like that's absolutely <laughs> smashing it do you know what i mean like look at him he's doing it he's fucking doing it right it's and i think that's yeah. something really nice about how supportive that vibe is at empire like mm. when i come off having done my 10 seconds of limerick like my my guys my my small little part of this thing are ecstatic for me right like yeah. uh there's a People like seeing you push yourself and, and, and trying hard and, and succeeding. So, so I think, you know, do it for them almost. I think life can often train us to be embarrassed by the idea of being uh, or having a degree of creativity. And when you talk to people, people can say, oh, I'm not a creative person uh, because yeah. and put that, that shield up. But if you think about it, ultimately, the 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 human experience is a creative process. And when you add LARP, by virtue of you being there, having got some kit, got a character concept together and gone onto the field and, and, and participated, however bland you may think your ex- expression is, it's still a creative process yeah. that you're enabling within yourself and a creative spirit that you're pushing out into the world. And you are a creative being and I think often you can lose sight of of the beauty of that that can exist within you. And I think that's one of the, the, the true blessings of LARP is the fact that it can hopefully give you a lens to re- maybe reassess that uh, th- that message that you've been sold through everyday yeah. modern life, that you aren't a creative person. You, I, you I, are, and you're worth all of it. I joined this hobby with the expectation of going in, having a drink, having a fight, coming home that was my expectation going into the hobby that was all i cared about it ended up with me not only forming like friendship bonds or reinforcing friendship bonds in a way that i never had before with 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 my group is is incredible um but also um it got me writing songs for the first time in about 15 years i hadn't written a song i barely picked up a guitar it got me doing that stuff this is and that's what it got me doing. I've seen other people start writing, start performing, who've never done anything like that in the past because they're inspired by seeing someone else do it or telling a story or taking a, a, a role on the battlefield or pushing for a cinema or doing all these things. As I say, it, it is creative. It doesn't have to be um, 
It doesn't have to be a song. It doesn't have to be a yeah. physical object. It doesn't have to be anything in order for you to, to push this creative element. And LARP is waxing lyrical under the general merits of LARP at this point, but um, it, it's a safe space to explore those those elements of our character or elements of our character that we don't maybe know are there, but we want to want to find out. Uh, and this can come out of kits too, right? Even crafting kits. Um, yeah. Just existing in the world as your character. That doesn't need to be... a, a exuberant character just by being trying to think differently about how you're approaching something it's it's a it's a wonderful self-study that i put in the almost the category of mindfulness and everything else right like it has a very interesting effect on the soul you know i I wanted to actually touch on something else that you brought up as well because we've uh throughout the conversation i think maybe you you could get the wrong impression when we say that oh, we spend a lot of time with our groups, uh, you, you know, inside our own groups and stuff. But we, we certainly spend a lot of time just within the Ashbourne, hanging around with each other. And keep in mind, of course, that these are opportunities that can be quite fleeting in, in everyday life to spend quality time with some of the people that you love the most. Uh, and there's... That, that that's definitely a huge element of LARP, or it can be if, if you go as a group. And if you don't go as a group, you'll find people uh, at, who you can, you know, who, who you'll become familiar with and who you can form bonds with. And and that's a huge part of the game, right? Like, yeah. it's in ultimately enjoying your time there with other human beings. And there there's these, a huge worth to that. Yeah, there are these huge spectacles, the massive battles, the big shouting sessions, the drama, the politics, all of that stuff. All of my most cherished memories of those events are being sat around a fire. Different fires, different yeah. groups, but they're all involved. When I think, why do I go to LARP? I think being sat around that fire with my crew around me, and it feels amazing um and we you know we, we joke you know we, we, we call ourselves the ashen fam um but it's it's true i mean we we, we weren't formed icy we, we our group are all people who the core group knew each other beforehand and then more people have joined the group but we are all people who've known each other out of character we're out of character friends who've maybe invited another friend along but you know generally it's everyone knows everyone um but those bonds have been strengthened there's no shadow of a doubt, even though some, some of my absolute best friends in the world are in that group. And they were my best friends before we started LARPing. But we've since had these shared experiences, some of them imaginary, but those ones have unquestionably been strengthened um, as a result of, of this silly, silly game that we play. It's ridiculous. I couldn't, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the fact yeah. is, me and Dave, uh, we used to live very close to each other. We've known each other since we were like three so it's always a case of like literally just walking around each other's houses and playing Lego and all that kind of stuff you do as kids. Life happens. Dave moves a, a bit further. I mean, he's not miles away. He's literally in Milton Keynes. So it's, it's hardly any distance from Cambridge. But there is a natural, you know, that that hour-long journey. I think this is, is, but this is, this is part of growing up and adulting generally, yeah. right? Like, um, I totally agree. And even while we were just having that portion of the conversation, I was thinking about times that me and you have had. Like, specifically, like, weird things like... We're both knackered and it's the end of the night, 
right? And you're getting into your camp bed, I'm getting into mine, and we're just like, we're fucking beat, man, with like too many beers, shouted too much during the day, we're tired, and we're just having a, like a little me and you giggle at the day, you know? And it's like, those are really nice experiences that um, I, I cherish, and they're they're not necessarily part of the game, right? But they're, they're, they're as real as anything else, right? Like, uh, that you get to experience. It's a realist life. thing, right? Yeah. Like, that's... So just, again, just just that, that that weird thing, and again, I'm, I'm being a little bit manipulative here. So, what, one of the other songs I did, and again, sounds like me again, um, was, um, uh, nowhere I'd rather be was um, very. Uh, the intent behind that was was to try and capture that, which is weird because you feel it icy as well. This isn't just an entirely abstract like OC yes. feeling. Yeah. The, the game is designed in such a way to foster those feelings with your character. So it's all about forming those bonds through through the oaths, the shared actions, the shared experiences. Emotions are heightened, both yeah. icy and OC. Empire's um, a cult. Empire's a cult, by the way, like a hundred percent, right? Like absolutely. it's a cult, and it's and yeah. unfortunately it's done in a really healthy way, but it's a like there are some very cultish stuff that happens right like you like i love i love my nation i love my friends and i love all there's lots of things that i'm very passionate about in game that i'm genuinely passionate about i'm i'm this isn't me putting it on i'm not trying to pretend to be into this no i feel very strongly about this like if if you said to me we're not going to you, one nation in in england after lockdown and you said to me like oh uh, some some guys at the bar next to me were just like we should forget the valorn and just get on with the more important things in the empire i'll be like what motherfucker do you know what i mean like that's 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 me that's oc that's not icy anymore that's part of my yeah. soul the valorn must be destroyed at all costs do you know what i mean like uh and that's 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 weird i love it i can imagine it can be too much and i think doing it in a healthy and good way is like like i never leave empire and i'm just like fuming about shit right like i'm just i'm really angry about something that, that I, I leave the game in the game but i'll take on an awful lot of the positive like unifying things and passions back into my real day life you know for me it's, yeah. the, it's the sights and the sounds of it and just you know how memory over time just can kind of blur into a kind of a it's it's more of it becomes more of like a, a sensation right when you get those kind of memories that are just if you said oh what's your memory of this event i might not be like pick out a couple of sort of visions and vistas and stuff but when i like truly it's just the idea of it's a happy time in a space where i'm just having a great experience right and how how often you know do you really get to do that you know yeah I mean, like, you know, I mean, I, you, we've all got jobs and all of those kind of things, the mundanity of life. But like, speak for I yourself. Mean, My life something... isn't mundane at all. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Of course it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, of course oh. it is. It's like everyone else's. There is a <laughs> totally 100. percent There's a mundanity to this stuff. Um, I think, yeah, I think I, it's we've talked about the like the excitement elements of it, but just touching on that as well is that there's. There's a peaceful element to Empire as well. Mm. I mean, I've talked about going for a drink. I don't mean going for a, yeah, rowdy drink. No, I mean, go for a drink. Sit. Yeah. Just, go, you mentioned uh, mindfulness earlier on. Just sit. Take it in. Um, two of my favorite, favorite images. One is seed in my brain. One is, there are excellent photos of it. It's also seed in my brain. Um, it's actually a bit of a tragedy for me right now because of where Wintermark is. Um, 
when I'm driving onto the field, I go down the other way, which makes it a little bit of a cheat now. But what I always used to love was you'd see it early morning on that first time when you're driving up onto the site and you know that road that leads down between the Navari Woods, basically down the middle of your campsite where you've got the Navari Murder Alley, you mean? Murder Alley? No, 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 outside of the woods. Oh, okay. Outside of the woods. Um, so the, the line between that and where you guys then border on the remains of Navarre yeah. and then leads on to the marches. That road down there, there's just enough elevation so as you first come around the corner and start driving down there and you see Anvil laid out before you in the valley. And it's mean, yeah. Just that point when you're coming over, I absolutely love that and it's one of my favorite views to, be I, able to I, go that's, that was my first interaction like my first introduction to empire and it's still etched into my mind like very much so that that thing where we drove down and we pulled slightly off and we're trying to figure out when of our we end up going to the orc camp obviously which is hilarious and i love that every, i love it now every, everyone um, does it <laughs> but um it was like yeah that vista of looking over empire is something that um it's so it's so wonderful uh yeah by the way i'm i'm by the way listener i'm very sorry if you came here for wintermark with uh we're well off into talking about like what we enjoy about it and the psychological effects of it and all sorts of stuff so uh, apologies for that but um i, ca- I can link this back to wintermark I oh yeah stand by stand by wintermark listener we're gonna get this back on track back on the rails <laughs> so this will have been um two and a half years ago i think it was um and this is the other image seen in my brain and i i honestly don't know if there'll be another like it at empire where um was oh an uh an opportunity so a minor conjunction opportunity had come up that was going to allow people to travel from anvil to the calavesi swamps to inter some bodies in the swamps, which is what Wintermark um, people do with their dead. They inter them in the swamps. It's a very honourable thing. And it's like, okay, well, this would be quite cool. So basically, you know, a bunch of us can go through the Sentinel Gate late at night and go into the swamp, which is up at the top of the field. Um, and that'll be quite cool. And then people are like, well, it'll be quite late then. We should get some torches or some lights or something. So, okay. Well, and someone found a good line on getting some, like, you know, candle torches. Like, oh, cool. And then a few more people got those. And a few more people did. And where you talk about, there's a lot of uh, Wintermark. I think there must have been like, there's like 500 or something of us. I, I don't know, however many there are. Um, and this will have been about 8 or 9 p.m. So the sun had gone down. Pretty much the entirety of Wintermark assembled in our square. We lit our torches and we did the entire march from Wintermark up to the Sentinel Gate, through the Sentinel Gate, up to the very top of the field. Now imagine pitch blackness. You know how nice it is when you see those fires. Imagine several hundred Wintermarkers, most of whom have a flaming torch, processing through all of that. That in itself was just amazing, a sense of, of unity with your nation. Yeah. And then, then to go up to that far corner of the field where PD had out done themselves in terms of set dressing there was movie lighting there was smoke you genuinely believed you were on the edge of a swamp and then we were that they built like a little jetty so you could walk out and i got to address the nation and speak on behalf of one of the fallen in front and standing in the middle of this circle of flaming torches 
with mist and smoke and coloured lights and eerie bog spirits behind me. I am never going to experience anything like that in my life. And that was just incredible. Um, oh. Yeah. And that's that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. Like those moments that like you you never capture them in Yeah. We should we should wrap this up, yeah, boys. We should wrap it up there, but like um, that's, that's a great image to leave. I think that's with. a really nice point to put it at. Like um like like yeah, the imagination of what's achievable with the VR helmet that is LARP is is incredible. Yeah. Um mm. yeah. I, I think we could talk on for a really long time which is getting to a really bad habit i've been trying to do these where it's between 45 minutes and an hour and a half and i've failed so miserably at this in as well dave that was the other problem because you've been doing the other ones on your own and then you're like oh yeah do you want to pop in and do this one (laughs) bad i knew this one was gonna be a bad one like pud was hyped for it i know me and you were hyped for it it was always It was always going to go this way, and I'm, I'm so glad we did get to have this conversation. And uh, hopefully, if you're listening um, and you haven't dozed off on the couch, or if you have, you're welcome. You're welcome if you yeah. did doze off, right? But um, yeah, thank you very much for joining us, Pud. Um, we're going to, yeah, we're so going to, we're going to try and continue to do these like um, uh, nation episodes so we can learn as we go, and hopefully, you'll learn something along. But um, I think th- this is a great conversation to highlight. Like, we're still hyped for LARP. Like we miss it so much. We're counting down the days. Hope is here. Yeah. Vaccines coming. We're, things are looking good, people. Keep it together. We're, we're going to be all right, you know. So, yeah. um, right. Is there anything closing we wanted to? Anything you guys want to say before we leave? No. Just good. No, look cool. forward to seeing. No, just look really forward to seeing people in the field. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, what is the? We should try and do like. Oh, thank you very much to our patrons, by the way. I mentioned them earlier about all of that stuff, and thank you so much for continuing to support us. There was some new people are supporting us, which is really nice in the long dark, which is bonkers, right? Because anyway, um, you're, what you're is forming a good service? Well, we're we're trying, we're trying very, we're trying the best we can. Um, what is a traditional? Because we usually end these things out with like strength for the empire, strength for Navarre, and I think it would only be right, Ian. I think it would only be right if we did something similar, but for the winter oh, marker. Just this once. Just this well, once, Ian. Just this once, buddy. We don't have to. This isn't, you know, what it is. So what, what, what's the general custom? Is it three nations? Three, pe- three people, one nation. So we just say one nation when it's our point, okay? Three people. One, one nation. nation. You did what? We caught it sleeping. You weren't wrong about the size of the thing. Or how many teeth it had. You all look like you're in one piece. So, what happened? Let me tell you a story. These two were quaking in their boots. Hey. We were not. I snuck up on it, quiet like. I raised my axe, and just before I could strike, a uh, snake wrapped round my leg. A snake? A tree root, more like. Stop interrupting. This is my story. Anyway, the uh, snake pulled me off my feet. You fell over. So, over I went, into the stinking bog. I managed to free myself from the snake's clutches, but I had lost my trusty axe. And that's when I noticed the beast was awake. I thought we were all goners. Right. I got back on my feet. I stood there, 
face to face with the creature. It was all muscles and teeth. <laughs> Bryn was covered head to toe in swamp weed and branches. Tell him what you did then. I will if you stop interrupting. I looked straight in its eyes and gave it the old Bryn stare. It was actually very impressive. The beast knew it had met its match and it just took off running. Like a kid caught scrumping. <laughs> exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs>